This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. For a full year, we've been looking at the life of Jesus Christ from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are coming to the end of his time on earth. And last week, Ben, we looked at the Last Supper. Now they've moved out of that room and into the outdoors, Mount of Olives, where he's doing some some more teaching, some time with his disciples, and reminding them of what they're getting. It's, it's a little bit difficult to put the narrative exactly together because the gospel writers weren't as interested in sequential things, I, I think, that we are in our modern Western world. But to our best effort, it looks like this takes place after that, and they're back in the, at the Mount of Olives. And here he is. He's, this is his last night on earth. In fact, that ni- this night, he will be arrested. So it's interesting to, to think what he's going to talk about. Have you ever, you know, as a pastor, been with somebody that's near the end of their life, they know their life is, is ending, and they, they just had some incredible things to say, things that they were concerned about that sticks out to you in your mind along the way? No. Um, I, I think... You know, and I shared it a couple, I think a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, there are those that you encounter who are at peace, maybe physically suffering, but at peace with their coming death and, and to see their concern for those that are being, um, that they're, they're ultimately leaving behind. Um, and so their focus isn't on their death or their suffering, but their focus is on you know, their spouse or their kids or their grandkids or, or friends uh, who have gathered around them and, and watching somebody near death minister to those uh, around them um, just because of this uh, immeasurable peace that they, they have, that peace that surpasses all understanding, uh, is, a, uh, is something to behold. It really is. And Jesus has that because here he knows that tonight he's going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial by the next day at this time. He'll be in the grave. And yet his concern is for those who are with him, not himself. So he's promising them to give someone who's going to help them the Holy Spirit. He promises this gift of God. It's in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. We'll weave through all of those in this podcast to get a sense of what Jesus does when he makes this promise for us. Let's pick it up in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says to his his disciples, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, 
and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So here's this promise that Jesus makes that he's not going to leave his followers orphaned. In fact, it goes beyond that when he speaks to the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, being with them and even in them. What do you make of this? This this is right after the John John thirteen is where he was in the upper room, and now in John fourteen, right away he's his offers to say, Look, guys, I'm I'm leaving you, I'm dying, but I'm gonna give you the spirit. What's this offer all about? Jesus comes to us uh through the spirit he makes himself manifest to us through the spirit not that the spirit is jesus but the spirit is sent to the follower of christ as paul explains uh, really succinctly and well in ephesians 1 i think verse 13 where he talks about the spirit who really marks us for eternity who seals us uh, in christ and that uh, the spirit is is the one who um, nurtures our heart renews our heart near to the heart of christ and also, the, the Spirit's presence is this constant, uh, the, the constant presence of God with us. And so, some of the ver- like two of the verses in 14 that have always spoken into my heart, and part of it is, is because of the tangible expression of these verses in the lives uh, of others that I've seen made manifest, um, has spoken into my heart, but but verse uh, 25 to 27, he says, all this I have spoken while still with you, and this is in John 14, uh, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And he says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so the Spirit is the one who brings the peace of Christ into our lives to know that Jesus is with us. Um, when Jesus promises to always be with us until the end of the age and you know his, his great commission speech, um, that this is what he is speaking of. And uh, this verse, verse 27, is always, or at least the last 18 years, has always spoken into my heart. I had a dear friend of mine uh, by the name of Jim Plumley. Who Jim died at 41. He had, a, had needed a heart transplant, got his heart transplant, and then uh, the next day passed away. And uh, his wife, he and his wife Susan had two kids, Robert and Katie. 16 months after Jim passed away, his son Robert was stepping off. He was he uh, played uh, in the marching band at the school he went to uh, in Texas. He was actually at the Fiesta Bowl to play at the. Mm. Uh, his school got invited to uh, play the halftime show at the Fiesta Bowl. And uh, Robert stepped off the bus and had a massive heart attack at 16 oh and my. died right there. So within 16 months, Susan the, lost her you know, husband, who was 41, and then lost her 16-year-old son. And I had gone to, uh, they had family in Oklahoma, that's where everybody was buried. So I'd gone to Oklahoma to officiate uh, the service. And then two weeks after that, uh, of her son. And two weeks after that, 
Susan called me and said that she was cleaning out her son Robert's uh, room and she saw his, his Bible open. And uh, this verse, verse 27 that I just shared was marked. And she said, Ben, I can't explain it because my heart is extraordinarily heavy and broken. And yet I know this peace. And that's the peace that Christ brings us through the presence, the power uh, of, the, of the Spirit. And so the Spirit who is renewing us is also tangibly, um, we experience the intimacy of God's presence in real tangible ways uh, through the, the Spirit's presence in our own life. Wow, that's a powerful story and a, and a great message for all of us today because I think many people struggle with a lack of peace, troubled world, challenges in life, many other things, and to believe and trust that we will receive peace even even when the world around us is falling apart, that we can have peace is a pretty powerful message. So thank you for sharing that. This word that is used here in the NIV is advocate. I think other translations will use this word as counselor or helper or comforter a number of ways. It's a, it's a word which has a variety of translations to it. But it's, I think it points us to one who comes alongside, one who pleads a cause, advocates for us, is, is there for us. So the Holy Spirit, he's, he's present with us. He, he's part of the Trinity, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. He's, he's God, the Holy Spirit, who lives with us and in us and provides us this this kind of peace and comfort and hope that the world simply cannot offer, yet he does that in our lives. The scripture says down in John 15, verse 26, when the advocate, again, that's counselor, helper, comforter, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. It's a powerful statement that we can rely upon the Spirit of God to understand more fully about Jesus. To understand Jesus, I mean, there, there are some things I suppose we should do. And I always am reluctant to say, here are the steps, because people want to turn those into the seven steps or the 21 steps, and that's not the way it works. But certainly there are, I think, some things that we need to do to understand Christ more fully in our lives. That includes regularly reading Scripture, right? That includes being with other believers in a, in a large group setting for a corporate worship or a small group, accountability with, with another, another believer or two in, in your life that you're continually sharing. But a, a piece of that is the Holy Spirit himself who through conversation with us, relationship with us, testifies about, about the reality of Jesus and who he is in our lives. What does this look like for 
the believer as they're leaning leaning into learning more about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does for us and through us. Uh well, we could write a book on this uh, topic, and, and many have been been written, so there's no means to to summarize it, I, I think, probably in our, our time together. But one of the aspects of the Spirit's work is to convict our hearts relative to Christ. And so, uh, as we are, as you said, leaning into our relationship with Jesus, as we're, it's the Spirit that is transforming our heart to reflect Christ. It's the Spirit that's convicting our heart. Uh, in reference to to our sin and to our brokenness, uh, the things that we realize or the Spirit makes clear, the things that we need to submit uh, to the transforming work of the Spirit. It's the uh, Spirit who, again, in the midst of our sin, our hearts are, we find our hearts grieved, um, leading us to repentance. Uh, that's all the uh, the work of the Spirit. And we also see this, the Spirit in, in that in that context working in the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it's not just the, the Spirit working in my heart to convict me uh, and, and to draw me into deeper relationship with Christ. It's also the Spirit working through a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, speaking the truth of Christ into my life as well. And so the Spirit has this, this, this one-on-one function, but also kind of this corporate function as the Spirit moves and works in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, to trust other people to also listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to give us sound wisdom and counsel and encouragement and challenge along the way. Is that kind of what you're aiming at? Yeah, and also that the, the Spirit is, is ultimately the one who, through the biblical authors, has produced Scripture. And so uh, the uh, John in his uh, in his letter, I think in his first letter, talks about you know the, the need to test the spirits. Well, how do we test the spirits against the Word of God to see if they are aligned with Christ, with the truth of God? Because the Word itself has been produced uh, by the Spirit working through the human authors, and so the Spirit is never going to exist in contradiction uh, with Himself. Mm. That's a good word. And part of what this goes on into John 16 and uh, says, let me just jump down to verse 7, John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's the Holy Spirit. He'll send the Holy Spirit when he leaves. When he comes, he will Prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, now stands condemned. Part of the Spirit's work in our lives is a convicting work as well. A, a work in which he reveals in us areas which are, like I, I like to say, out of alignment with God's best for us and, and draw us into that deeper relationship with him. But one, I guess my question I, I'm, I'm thinking about here is, 
the Holy Spirit, you know, people of Francis Chan wrote you know, the forgotten God and people have written these things that it's, I heard uh, some seminar you and I were at together. This guy said that in his denomination, that the Trinity was the father, the son and the Holy Bible. And you know, like, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of truth to the fact that we've, we've sort of ignored the work of the Holy Spirit to a degree. What do we need to do to press into the Holy Spirit more deeply and allow him to do this comforting work of peace and convicting work as well in our lives? One of the issues I think we have in the Western church is that too often uh, we function while we claim the supernatural, we, we, we claim to believe in a physically res- resurrected savior. Uh, but too often I think we, we function in a lot of ways, a secular humanist. And so the idea is that uh, by by knowledge download, by biblical study, then life will just seemingly transform itself. The, the wiser I am relative to the person of God, then my life is going to reflect that. And so there's a minimization of, in some ways, what we would consider the, the mystical or supernatural work of the Spirit and our dependence upon the Spirit in our life to change and transform uh, our hearts and our lives. And so, yeah, I think within many, many, play, many, many contexts within the Western church, we have a tendency to minimize the work of the spirit, to minimize the presence of the spirit and to minimize our dependence upon the spirit to change and to transform us. Or as Paul says, you know, to ripen uh, our hearts uh, by the fruit of the spirit, what the spirit is, is producing in our lives. And so there's just Holy Spirit neglect. How do we overcome that? I think one of the tangible ways I think to overcome that is in our prayer life Hmm. um, to affirm our need for the Spirit in our life. And so part of what uh, I I integrate into my prayer life is uh, prior to going uh, in my, my scripture reading, prior to reading scripture, I pray for the Spirit to reveal to me the areas that my life is, as you said, out of alignment with God uh, relative to uh, his, his self-revealing word. And then having read the word, praying for the Spirit to change and transform my heart, to align my heart uh, with God. So the recognition that I am dependent upon the Spirit's work to align my heart with the heart of God. I'm dependent upon the Spirit's work to, to grant peace. And so the other, the other piece of that is, is in the midst of trial, tragedy, suffering, grief, um, praying for the, Spirit's, uh, for the Spirit to bring me peace in the presence, in the midst of my tears, of the brokenness of this world. And then also praying for the Spirit to, you know, we, we pray in Christ's name. And so in praying in Christ's name, we're praying for the will of God to be done in our lives. And so what has God commissioned us to do? What has Jesus commissioned for us to do to go and make disciples? And so, you know, praying for the Spirit to empower that work of disciple-making, for the Spirit to make my heart sensitive uh, to those around me who I, who I need to share the gospel with or those around me who I need to uh, nurture in their walk with Christ or those around me even, you know, for the spirit to, uh, to guide me into relationship, uh, for my growth in Christ. It's the spirit who I believe has, has guided me into 
uh, relationships where my heart is being nurtured and changed and transformed and discipled uh, through the work of that brother in Christ or that sister in Christ who the Spirit has brought into my life uh, for the purpose of being renewed uh, more fully into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit is of utter necessity to the Christian life. And and so integrating, uh, and, and I think, you know, naming the Spirit's work in my prayer life, I think is an important uh, aspect of bringing the Spirit's work to bear on my life. It's a different way to take a walk in the neighborhood to say, Spirit, reveal to me how I am to be in ministry to my neighbors and, uh, and trust that the Holy Spirit will show us who we are to be and what we are to do in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, at our schools, among our families, it, in the world. It, down, down in John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And then down at the end of verse 15, That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This echoes exactly what you're talking about that it is the, the Holy Spirit's desire to reveal to us what he wants us to know and to guide us into truth, not into sector humanism, as you so eloquently put it. I mean, that's our challenge, but to his truth, the scriptural truth, the godly truth in our lives, and to truly depend upon him to do that. I don't think this means that we rely on that alone, sort of the instincts we we have, if you will, from the Holy Spirit and not pour into the Scripture and the Word of God or in a community of faith. I've heard of people that, that take that step. They go the other direction, like, I don't need other people. I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't need to read the Bible anymore. The Holy Spirit tells me and speaks to me. That's not what you're saying. No. The flip side is not what you're saying either. I, I don't really need you know, this Holy Spirit that I can't see. I've just got the truth of the Word of God, and that's what i got to look at. There's a a combo package here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's the, the insane part, is that, again, the Spirit is never going to contradict God's Word. And so for the person that says, well, I just, it's just me and, and the Spirit, and we're off doing our thing— that that's a contradiction to God's word. We are called into community. God has designed us for uh, community. And for the person that says, well, I can cast aside God's word. You know, the spirit is bringing new revelation. That that in itself is a contradiction to the word of God. And uh, and in that, what you find oftentimes is, I mean, that that is the, I mean, honestly, it's the height of arrogance. Um because then what you get is not a submission to, to God's self-revelation. It's, it's a submission to whatever it is you think is right, good, and whole, even if that contradicts someone else. Way, way to go on, on this. I threw you some, threw you some hard fastballs there, and you, you, uh, you handled them well. And, you know, I, I mean, this topic is, I think it's a, a challenging one because for some, it, they're, there's maybe a misguided focus and others. It's just for, for many, at least in my tribe, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit's work is ignored in, in our lives. And I, I love the way you, you 
put a lot of that helps us to know that we are not alone as we navigate what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ in this world. And we have the Holy Spirit sent to us by Christ through the Father to, to be there for us and to comfort us, to give us peace, to convict us, and to to guide us into truth, to teach us who we are to be and what we're to do, make known to us the kind of people we are to be in this world as we minister on behalf of him. And we see this when you flip the page to the book of Acts, as the New Testament church begins, we see the deep reliance on the Holy Spirit from day numero uno, right? We, we see that they are completely dependent because Jesus was gone from them, yeah. and they knew how to rely Upon and him. Jesus tells them in Acts 1a, you know, he says, wait. He tells them to wait for the Spirit to come to empower, ultimately, their witness. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to, to read uh, more up on the Spirit, one of the, the book that convicted my heart, and I get that it's a, a little bit of a tough read, but John Owen uh, wrote Mortification of Sin. He was a Puritan. And you know, obviously the, the Puritan ethic to strive for holiness, but what comes out in his book is his absolute dependence that, that the pursuit of holiness cannot happen. Um, you are not going to grow in holiness absent the transforming work of the spirit uh, in your life. And so he speaks to his utter dependence upon the spirit to change and transform his heart, to align his heart uh, with Christ. And so Go pick it up at your local retailer today. Uh, Mortification of Sin, John Owen. Uh, praise be upon his name. <laughs> Very good. I don't know if he was your great, great, great uncle or something, but that was a, that was a good plug for, for that book. Folks, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or our church app, and click on the Life of Jesus link. It has been good to be with you today. And next time, we'll be taking a look at Jesus' prayer life right before his arrest. Until then, may God bless. <laughs>